HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Fairway Market, like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. on Heritage Radio Network, and I'm your host, Kathy Irway, and we're here, as usual, at Roberta's Pizza, the home of Heritage Radio. Um, we've got a really good one today. Um, I'm holding a book right now, and most people, when you hear the word soul food or soul cooking, might not normally think of Japanese food, but what do the Japanese think of when they think of soul cooking? Um, that is the subject of the book I'm holding right now. It's called Japanese Soul Cooking, Ramen, Tonkatsu, Tempura, and More from the Streets and Kitchens of Tokyo and Beyond. The authors are Taka- uh, sorry, Tadashi Ono. He is a chef um, was at, most Maison recently o. at yeah. Maison O, yes. and yeah. also formerly uh, Matsuri. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we've got Harris Salat. He is a co they're both co-authors of this book, and he is also the owner of Ganzo in Brooklyn. Hi, how you doing? Good. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy restaurant and book writing lives to, to be here. We well, own uh, restaurants. We just drink all day. <laughs> We're not that busy. <laughs> this will be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having all us. All right. Well, you can yeah. help yourself. There's a bar right here. Excellent. Yeah, um, yeah. No, but uh, and this is your third cookbook together because you've also written Japanese Hot Pots and the Japanese Grill. That's right. 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 This, is a, this is a great book. Um and what made you think of the concept, other than how delicious the food is? But the idea of Japanese soul cooking, I think, like, I, I don't even think I've heard that term coined before. Is it something that you well, guys sort of wanted to identify? Yeah, I mean, we both on? love this cooking. And yeah. um, I think that in uh, the greater you know world outside Japan, people have certain reference points for Japanese cuisine, whether it's sushi or the mm-hmm. hallowed kaiseki meal, which is many plates that you know follow this very uh, you know this procession. It's a kaya, too. Izakaya we, cooking we know small that. plates. Yeah, 
So, um, you know, I would say that kaiseki and sushi are actually very small parts of Japanese cuisine mm-hmm. in Japan. Mm-hmm. Izakaya is pretty popular. Um, but the food that we talk about is what people really eat and crave a lot over there. And Tadashi eats and craves. This is the food we eat every day. This is the food I grew up with, too. So That's great. Yeah, it's very uh, accessible, fun, yeah. you know. Feeding also. It is absolutely yeah. irresistibly delicious, right. like everything in this book. So, yeah, and that's, what, you know, I mean, that's what, you know, salt cooking should be, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just stuff that's like, you know, kind of like, you know, things that you really dig and that are easy to make and satisfying, yeah. satisfying and hearty. They're hearty. Um, one thing I found really fascinating was how a lot of these dishes um, sort of started in a restaurant setting, but then evolved in. Now home cooks make it all the time, which is an interesting kind of evolution. Um, Tadashi, um, since you grew up in Tokyo, um, was this something that that, uh, you encountered, like your mom would make or you would make? Yeah, my mom always make a a good curry. Uh And, you know, sometimes we don't make really ramen. Ramen is more restaurant food, but, uh, you know... They do deliver, so. <laughs> and I just want to note that in delivery in Japan is actually the uh, real tableware, <laughs> like the real bowl. Do you exactly. did you have that? And and yeah. then they and then they you, come you with bring the tray and yeah. everything. You know? It's funny. It's like not plastic. It's really, uh, ready to eat, like wow. a, like a home, you know. So. <clears throat> You, that was a good thing. Do you get to keep the bowls? And no, the they, they can't pick it up oh. later on. But, you know, but people, sometimes uh, they forget, so we have the bowl <laughs> in the house. Oh, Wait, the, what the, bowls are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they forgot, quote unquote. unquote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, it's got a name on the bowl, right. too. So, <laughs> oh, this came from the air. <laughs> I broke it, there. sorry. Oh, that's hmm. great. No, but this is, um, I, I love how you have a history for each of these dishes, and, and it sounds like a lot of them were really amazing like um unique interpretations of dishes found afar so for example you mentioned the curry yeah i mean i think that like on a on a um, overall idea behind this book which would really surprise us and, and tadashi and i talk about this because we both didn't expect this to be so interesting from a historical perspective mm-hmm. we thought we'd find out i guess in the sense that there's a bigger kind of picture that was uh, drawn by this cooking actually and it is kind of it is down to earth cooking but it's, I don't want to sound like you know too high concept here yeah. but there was a profound change in Japanese culture when in the late 19th century when westerners came to Japan after hundreds of years of the country being isolated and you know westerners brought and also people from other parts of asia brought the food that they ate which were meat and um right you know meat. and when you're talking about curry which was a, a, actually a british import not an indian one as we would think mm-hmm. and it, it came in the form of curry powder and it came through the the british uh military the british navy and um so in japan it was considered this thing that came from england you know a british curry powder so um then you know then people encountered these ingredients and i you know you mentioned earlier about the restaurants i think restaurants uh were one way that the you know people started cooking with this stuff but it quickly spread throughout the country too yeah. in, into home kitchens 
Um, so everything that we have in our book, you know, with the exception, I'd say, of ramen, which is generally something you just go out to eat. But we wanted to do that because I know people in in our, you know, audience would love to know how to make ramen exactly, at home. Yeah. Right. But, you know, even gyoza or okonomiyaki or um, tonkatsu. tonkatsu. Oh, Very yeah, popular definitely. In the house. Very popular at home. Don and you can go out to a restaurant to have it. Yeah, all the donburi, mm-hmm. all the, which are uh, bowls of rice with food on top of it, which is such a different idea than typical Japanese cooking where a bowl of rice is served on the side. So, mm-hmm. you know, all these things filtered into the home. It's fascinating. And I, I love how um, in the introduction you talk about this one turning point in history. It, it was also the late 19th century when uh, the emperor of Japan decided to encourage meat eating. Yeah, um, I mean. And that was that just opened the floodgate of foods, it sounds like, from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I it was. I can't, I've been trying to think of like what. It must have been so shocking in Japan, don't you think, Tadashi? At that point, like, oh, where, absolutely, yeah. you know, I, I mean, you know, um, so three hundred what, six hundred years? They haven't eaten because a thousand years, yeah, a thousand yeah. years, and yeah. it was actually right. banned, right? Right, it was right. taboo, yeah, taboo. But for Buddhists, you know, right? Yeah, for Buddhism, tra- gaming, tradition. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And and then suddenly the emperor saw these giant. Basically, he saw these giant <laughs> westerners, <laughs> and you got to remember that at that time, meat was considered hell food. Okay, forget tempeh. Yeah. I'm sorry, people. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like you, you, if you didn't eat meat, in fact, from what we read, like when the Westerners came to Japan, they're like, what's with these people? They don't eat meat. How could they even, you know, be alive or stand up, you know, and actually make <laughs> it up a staircase? So it it was, you know, this belief that meat was really important uh-huh. for your diet. And at the same time, like the Westerners towered over the, the people that when they came to Japan. Just so the emperor, physicals, yeah, physicals. so the emperor is like, uh, you know, I want my soldiers to look like that. <laughs> so he, um, that's right. I mean, he actually ate meat in public, and it sent a shockwave through the culture. Um, I don't know what the corollary is in America, but it would be something completely unexpected. It's like a know? cultural revolution, almost. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. Because food it really influences all, a, a lot about culture and and how you cook it at home, but also how you feel too, and how yeah, how you end up looking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a, I mean, the one thing I'd say people. about you know. Japan doesn't exist in a duality like Western civilization, right? So this kind of new, it's like Shintoism and Buddhism can coexist in the same plane in Japan. And the same thing that like this kind of eating and traditional washoku, traditional Japanese cooking never went away. Yeah, exactly. In the home too. So I'm sure you had miso soup and curry, you know, and you still have miso soup every day. (laughs) In the morning. (laughs) Right, you know, and so it it didn't supplant one or one wasn't better than the other. I mean, this, you know, but it became another layer that was be- that became part of the everyday life in in Japan and all these dishes, which was really cool. And they are so good to adapt it, you know, adapt it and make it into something more like Japanese rather than just totally and, and totally country. interesting and yeah. different. Yeah, right. Yeah, because yeah, so. even if we talk about curry, just for example, like you know what we found is that the curry that came to Japan was very loose because the British would sop up with a piece of bread, mm-hmm. but in right, Japan right. you eat with rice, so you need a thicker product. For people to be able to eat it with rice, so um, I'm sorry, I just used the word product. <laughs> I got to get out of the restaurant, business. but um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> so the, the, it's the food, food, not product. But the, yes, the curry was um, thicker, mm-hmm. so um, you you know it was able you were, you could easily eat it with rice. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's very tasty, too. Um, I couldn't help but wondering while reading this, um, and maybe, Tadashi, you, you might know um, from your experience, but were there, like, a lot of, like, old ladies or, like, just people also who were more purists and, and didn't really get into this m- more kind of foreign-fangled food trends? I don't, I don't know nowadays, but it used mm-hmm. to be that way, too. Yeah. You know, like, older Grandma, people yeah. never touch these food. <laughs> Well, that could happen. That was mm-hmm. happening. But right now, I think these food can be more popular than anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just starting to become really like mainstream of Japanese cooking. Yeah. <coughs> it's all about yeah. balance. You mentioned mm-hmm. um, washoku, tr- right. the really like um, traditional uh, Japanese home cooking, like right. miso soup. Right. And you said you, you, you guys would eat both of it. Um, right. Uh, but it seems very different. Just you know, like no meat. Um, mm. It's just there's a lot of differences in right. the whole. Right. Well, it's more diverse. You know, like no right, meat. Of course, there is a traditional Japanese food that still exists and very strong. Mm-hmm. But this eating meat is like eating very uh, irresistible. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it gives such energy and all that. Yeah. Right. So I think naturally. Uh, people adapted and just came into more like uh, their blood and meat. You know? I have to say, Tadashi, right. you're pretty tall too. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely. I ate this food changed. all the time. That's why yeah. Tadashi never ate meat his entire life. He's a vegan. I love meat. Here's the, the, the secret. <laughs> That's so, so funny. Uh, so, um, what is your favorite dish, if if you have one, in the whole book? I don't know if that changes day to day or. Go ahead. I don't know. Tadashi, <laughs> I <was waiting>. <laughs> well, I love curry. I yeah. do love curry. I grew up with it. And every time when I grew up, if we, I, I hear uh, tonight the curry, I get mm-hmm. so excited. Oh. I don't know what it is, but it gives you some kind of high, like a sugar high. I think mm-hmm. it's the old mixture of the spice gives mm-hmm. you some kind of a highness. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just love Kelly. And yeah. now, is it taboo yeah. to use the golden curry cubes? No, you know? it doesn't no, matter. It's I okay. Mean, you know, yeah, just every home has a different Kelly recipe. Yeah, right? and then different you, Some people like this cube, some yeah. people like this powder. You right. know, it's all kinds I of I mean, variation. we wanted to yeah. give in the book we wanted right. to show people how you can make curry f- just from scratch. Right. right. You know, and um, and uh, you know, and that's a great way to make curry. But the, it is true that in, you know, across Japan, I, I mean, I would say a very small percentage of people are making curry from scratch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of people are using the... Golden the, curry. Yeah, yeah. Curry, they call it curry roux. And it's actually, yes, golden curry, Vermont curry. It has all these crazy names. I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, that's an but, interesting <laughs> word for curry roux, yeah. Yeah, and that's what it is. And so you, you throw those cubes in and when you do that of course it's processed and it's got all kinds of stuff in it you know as opposed to making it from scratch but you know in the bigger scheme of things it's very convenient and you're the great thing about curry is that you could throw anything in it so you can have vegetables you can have chicken and uh, or pork right and also like a basis of it is root vegetables which are a really big part of japanese cooking Mm. and it's something that's very healthy and good for you so Mm -hmm. you know everything's a balance and um they're great, you know. They're great for just whipping up curry fast. That sounds perfect for this winter season right now. Exactly. Oh, vegetable yeah. curry. Right. It's really good. Yeah. Um, thanks so much. We're just going to have a quick little musical interlude, and we'll be right back chatting more. You. 
You are listening to When It Was Wrong by the California Honey Drops on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Hi, I'm Steve Jenkins from Fairway Markets. You know, there's no more telling aspect, no more revealing virtue of a group of people having evolved in a lovely way than how they feed themselves, how they entertain, how they put food on the table, what they put on the table. Heritage Radio Network provides the clearest evidence that there's hope for us yet. Heritage Radio is like Fairway Market in that we both care deeply about what you're having for dinner tonight. Heritage Radio Network is not just about food, though. Every time I tune in, I learn something about things other than food, too. Architecture, design, stuff like that. But from where I stand, I still say, if you can't eat it, what's the point? For more information, please visit fairwaymarket.com. All right, we're back chatting with the authors of Japanese Soul Cooking, an absolutely delicious book um, by Tadashi Ono and Harris Salat. So they are both restaurant owners as well as co-authors of three cookbooks now together. Um, so how does your cookbook writing factor into your, your, your restaurant's uh, menu? We do it, oh, into our restaurants. I was going to say, we write really fast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what, were, what did you think I was going to say? How does it factor? Uh, into, like, into the restaurant, you know, into us doing restaurants or being involved oh, in restaurants. Yeah, yeah, no. But does the food reflect um, your styles currently? Um, well, I would say I take the lead on the food from Tadashi, mm-hmm. you know, but I love what Tadashi cooks in any respect. So, and oh, we know each other you. for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Your pizza needs a little work. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Otherwise, you know, yeah, you're yeah. spot on. Things, yeah. So. <laughs> but, um. Because Tadashi has been cooking for quite a while. Oh, yeah. 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 And exactly. all kinds chef. of cuisines. Right. Actually. Um, not just Japanese. So, Tadashi has an amazing range. I'm going to talk about you in the third person. <laughs> but, um. <laughs> but actually, your book does influence, you know, like your cooking. In our in the books that we put together, gets me thinking a lot about what we do at, at, at the restaurant that I run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely at Gonzo. So, um, you know, because we are tr- like what we're trying to do is, is create something that is kind of comfort food, and we, ramen is the center point Cozy, of what we do. Yeah. yeah. So, and also do stuff. You know, even with our ramen, we're making stocks every day and working on making the tare, the flavoring base, and. You know, so we're trying to do everything from scratch with our ramen, and mm-hmm. um, we don't make our noodles, but our noodles are custom made for us by a noodle factory in Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's a strike against, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, uh, seriously, it, it, you know, so so it does kind of follow a lot of what what we think about when we write the cookbooks. Awesome. Well, Harris has you? a lot of passion uh-huh. about Japanese cooking, and also he he come up with all kind of idea that you know. Uh, it's going to be good and interesting yeah. for the people here. And he always asks me, what should we do? What should we do for this? And we, maybe we should do cooking book to introduce more Japanese food to this audience. Mm-hmm. And he, he drives me crazy. But he, <laughs> you know, but he, he come up with a great idea. You know? yeah. So then you know, we both try to execute it. And he's got a, such a drive. And mm-hmm. passion of it, so it, it does everything. I, I know cooking a little bit, but you know, it's, if there is no drive for that, this book wouldn't come out. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, 
Yeah, oh, thanks. I'm very thankful for this guy. It's, it's, a, it's a two-way street. We're gonna now, we're, excuse yeah. me, we're going to take a moment to cry and hug. Right <laughs> excuse us for a second. <laughs> no. I haven't had a wife for a long time. So. <laughs> do what you got to do. We're all exactly. friends here. Uh, I'm good. Aww. Um, no, no, really. Um, th- this book is really a testament to, to the teamwork, too, because I really enjoy the history learning about it and were you saying before that it was kind of like you found out more more as you were doing this yeah that some uh, things were surprising actually or? Tadashi you really like you know you put on your historian hat man you would come up with all this stuff that you were digging up because very little is available in English so oh, yeah. Tadashi's you know surfing around looking for stuff digging up information and you know when you write a cookbook and what we strive to do because this is a you know if you look at cookbooks from different countries, actually have different ways of writing cookbooks. So an American or North American, hi, our friends in Canada, but (laughs) (laughs) shout out. But um, there is typically a head note that introduces a recipe and then this written recipe, right? And so, you know, I personally hate head notes that are all like, oh man, that was so good and whatever. Like it says, (laughs) you know, so we have this book and we're thinking about what do we say that's interesting and can leave... Something with the reader, you know, and of course there's practical information. Be careful not to burn this or, you know, watch this carefully because that's what a head note does too. But we started to try to think about, okay, what can we talk about? And once you started to dig into this, you found so much unbelievable information and so crazy these stories, you Mm -hmm. know. So we just started to really have a lot of fun and look deeper and think about it and discuss it and that's where we were able to put in so much information that uh, you know it's look writing is a way to learn something and writing is always surprising you know that's why i enjoy doing it you know and and tadashi and i you know if i could speak for tadashi we like you know enjoy writing cookbooks because we you know we work on this stuff and and then it starts to you know things start popping out we like to know more yeah, yeah. and then we can share it. that's that'll be even better right yeah, yeah. like for example i love yeah. how you fi- figured out the the name of the chef who invented um mm. certain batters for right, right, what right. was it um maybe those the the panko the tonkatsu right. or, and then yeah. he also i forget he well, also yeah, discovered that chef, something else. What was the name of that guy from the Ginza? That's the guy who just Oh, the uh, I can't Rengate. Remember. Yeah, Rengate, Rengate guy. is the name of the restaurant. Yeah, right. Yeah. He was really inventive, that inventive. guy. Yeah. And then there was a Sichuan chef who was in who Mr. opened a Ching, restaurant yeah. in Tokyo right. who introduced the Mapa Tofu um, dish to and Japan, and it's so popular now. Very popular. Yeah. Very popular. Actually, this guy and his son, who was on the Iron Chef, right, Tadashi? Right, right. These, guys, these two guys were responsible for introducing a huge amount of Chinese Chinese. cooking into Japanese mm-hmm. culture. Ebi chili is one yeah. of the... Well, one thing I thought was really interesting that there's, um, you know, the, the gyoza and also ramen in general right, are... Right. The Chinese dishes. Chinese, Chinese dish. yeah. yeah. But, but, but they especially have such a this guy style. introduced a dish called Ebi... Uh, shrimp with chili sauce, mm-hmm. which uses ketchup. Yeah. So it's not really Chinese. Yeah. It's not really <laughs> Japanese, but it you know it, uh, ketchup is American product, right? The so, ketchup, yeah. Was that but by way of American? But it into something inf- Chinese Japanese yeah. in a way. But <laughs> so, uh, yes, I think you're yeah. probably right. It was probably because of the American occupation, or right. also then the introduction the of all these. American Timing things like yeah. There, yeah, but there's also like spaghetti came, hot like dogs, pasta. Yeah. hot dogs, yeah, right. wiener. 
Kielbasa. Kielbasa pasta, right? There we go. Oh, that looks so good. Napolitan. Right, that's Napolitan. And then the okonomiyaki, I didn't realize that there are so many different versions in every uh, region that are that are wildly elaborate too. You have a step by step instruction on how to make one that it has like eight layers. Oh, it's insane. It's yeah. insane. It's, it's almost like pizza. You can mm-hmm. put anything you want to. That's you true. Know? Some yeah. people put oyster, you know, it's not people just a with pancake, clam, it's you know. Topping too. Yeah, it's a topping. So tell topping me ab- business, about this yeah. Hiroshima okonomiyaki. Um, it it has noodles in it? Is this really how it works? It does have a noodle. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's like a triple decker sandwich or something. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really, yeah. it's really uh, you know, big. So if I understand correctly, um, this sort of evolved from just like the most simple of basic rustic cooking, which is throw some veggies in batter and flip it, maybe a little egg. Right. And then it just went Not only crazy. simple, but stuff that, you know, is very Cheap. economical. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. Right. It's a lot of stuff. Sort of like a <laughs> Korean pancake, right? A pajun? Um, yeah, similar. Probably the, the yeah. idea, because this the okonomiyaki became uh, big in western part of Japan, which is Osaka. Mm-hmm. And Osaka has a lot of uh, uh, Korean population, too. Oh, okay. So it might have something to do with Korean culture, too. Hmm. You know, Pajun or Pindeta type of thing. But then like again, like that, that brilliant mm. uh, just uh, elaboration that is added to this once very simple dish is really amazing. Right. Yeah, and it's funny, too, because there are certainly in Osaka and uh, you know Hiroshima and all in that part of Japan okonomiyaki restaurants where you go you sit down and they have these like flat tops and people are making um you know these pancakes but people do this at home too because you can buy like an electric flat top little tepan a grill and you could just have like a little okonomiyaki party at home which is great that must be fun yeah Yeah, i mean so much fun yeah we talked about it in skillets because we just wanted to to figure out how Mm -hmm. to cook it in america cast iron yeah Yeah. well that's the yeah that's the best for that so but it, it is really cool when you go go to um, you know homes and these parties. Yeah, yeah one thing it's uh, it's uh, funny that Japanese people likes to do uh, things together. You mm-hmm. know, like not only one guy just cooks okonomiyaki. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there's That's a part. Okay, I should add the cabbage, right? <laughs> you, you cook this and you flap this, and uh, this guy you know turns around and all kinds of you have you like know, an part they have, assembly so. line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know we. Like we have a cookbook called Japanese hot pot. Okay, the yeah. The second title is like let's do hot pot, uh-huh. not like let's eat or let's make hot pot. Let's just do it together type of thing. So it's it's very uh, uh, you know funny thing. That that's sounds how we really do. fun. I want to do that. Yeah, very social yeah, at my next social. party. Yeah. It's great actually. Yeah, yeah put is. an electric skillet in the center of the room. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean that's the thing we talk about gyoza too because I love gyoza but it's like fun just to get people around and folding it, you yeah. know, and and you could freeze extra ones or do stuff like that but um, a lot of this cooking can be very social as well mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of the beauty of it. So um, do you, do either of you go to Japan often just to kind of check check out what's there? Keep abreast. We eat do, a lot. Yeah. We've been going. To, <laughs> we've been going to Japan together, and we took our photographer last time, which we should have written a book about. But the, uh, <laughs> but we had fun. But the, yeah. I mean, I, I think we both go to Japan pretty regularly. Regularly, yeah. so like a few times a year, even. Um, now it's like once a year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, check That's in. Fun. 
But it is good because it's, it's interesting because you see stuff in Japan and especially for what we're doing now too. And it gets you thinking about, okay, you know, this is more restaurant stuff. But like how do you look at foods and what translates for an American audience, you know, and what could you introduce and surprise people and yeah. think that they would really dig. You Keep know. ideas going. Yeah. That, I mean, sometimes I, th- I find, you know, that I, that I think some folks think about Japanese or any other cuisine as kind of like this. It's stopped, right? It's like in this box. But mm. in Japan, I mean, it's constantly, like any cuisine, it's a live thing. New ingredients, new stuff going in, you know, and people are cooking different things that are, to me, very Japanese. But, you know, maybe it has avocado or, or something different, you know, and, it, and it's... Um, no, so it's great to check that out when when we go to Japan. It's good to go with him because some sometimes I think I don't find anything interesting because mm-hmm. it's so used to it. Mm. But you know, different you know perspective, and I can dig out something very uh, interesting for for the audience here too. So it's so nice. maybe Tadashi, we should put on eBay, like come to Japan with us, and we'll have a uh, <laughs> an auction. <laughs> And Good that sounds idea. really fun. Yeah, exactly. Next yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. And people will yeah. run for their lives yeah. afterwards. Yeah. No, that they would come. That would be really fun. Yeah. Um, well, that's about all the time we have for today. But just curious, since this is your third cookbook, do you have any plans um, immediately to ha- write another one? Well, you know, we were just having lunch spell? here at Roberta's. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we were just talking about this, right, as a matter of fact, yeah. that maybe, you know, in the next year or so, would be great to do a cookbook about traditional Japanese cooking, but oh, how people eat cool. it every, you know, again, from the way we take it, which is not this, you know, you have to speak in a hushed tone or all this other business, but just kind of like, how do you make that part of your life? Not cool. high end. Right. Not yeah. kind of, Right. No, and no yeah. exactly. But like a more regional country. Yeah. Because it's simple. Real food. Yeah. Mm. But Japan, yeah. 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 Exactly. Because yeah. it's a simplicity that you right. can learn. And once you get a couple of ideas, it's like Italian, really good Italian cooking is super simple, but you right. have to have your head wrapped around like what you're talking about, you know? And I think we could do the, you know, we, we want to do the same thing uh, with Japanese. Uh, we just have to carve out a little more time. <laughs> and, uh, that's so yeah, exciting. so maybe that's the next thing. Excellent. Well, best of luck with that. And thank you so much for sharing and taking time to be on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you, um, thank you so much. Definitely check yeah. out Japanese Soul Cooking. It's out from 10 Speed Press. And thanks, everyone at Heritage. We'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.